If everything in your life is in the toilet, have you ever had those weeks? It's in, I'm already, I'm already preaching good, aren't I? I'm, a, I'm like 30 seconds into it and someone's like, hey, I'm so glad I came. If your life is in the toilet, if there seems like nothing is going right, but you do this one thing that I'm about to talk about because you were made for it, you are going to feel more alive than you ever have in spite of the fact that your nothing seems to be going well. The reason why is when you do what you are born to do, it's like every fiber in your body just comes alive. It's like you are walking on air. Now brace yourself, here it comes. You were made to share Christ. You were made for that. You were made to represent them and you were made to talk about them. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, it says this, when two people are talking about the Lord, oracles are written for God's remembrance. In other words, when you're talking to a friend and uh, you're talking about, man, I can't believe I was at church the other day, and, or I prayed and this is what I felt, or this is what I read in the Bible, or this is why I go to church, and this is why I love Jesus. Literally, there are angels writing every word you're saying during that conversation. Writing oracles. Every word you're saying. And so for some of you guys, it, it, you work them out. It's like, ah, no, I'm just kidding, you didn't write that. And so it's, it's the right sound everything. When Christians come together, when people who love God talk to each other, oracles are written. Because when you're doing what you're born to do, you have heaven's attention and you are feeling it. Sometimes uh, I went to the mall the other day and uh, I, I bought a, a t-shirt and I'm walking out and I meet somebody and I started talking to them about God and I invited them to church and, and they came to church during the first service this morning and I literally floated to my car. I got in the car and I felt like back to the future where I'm going, we don't need roads. It just, I, I just, I felt so good. And that was right smack dab in the middle of a rough day. The reason why I went to go buy a t-shirt was because I was hiding from the world. I went to the mall to hide. I went to go hide. I just came out of two rough meetings. I needed to go hide. So I went to go hide. The whole day was going bad. I talked to somebody about the Lord. And that feeling of God just touched somebody by using me. Oh, it feels so good. And I just want to let you know that if that's the only thing you do tomorrow, it does not matter what does not go well tomorrow, you will still feel alive. Now, how in the world did this happen 
in the Bible. Now, we know Jesus stood up in front of crowds. We know the disciples stood up in front of crowds. But how did the everyday Christian, the guy who's following Jesus, how did they share Christ? How did they do it? Well, they did it in each other's homes. That's how they did it, in each other's houses. Watch, let me read this to you. It's in Acts uh, chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to start reading in verse 42. And so, uh, actually, and I'm going to skip a few verses. I'm going to make it rough on you guys over there in the tech booth. Um, let's, I'm just going to start on verse 46, uh, Yvette. So, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Watch this. They worshiped together at the temple each day. So every day they had church. All right. There are three of us think that that would be a good idea. So every day they had church. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals. I'm going to bring the sides. You bring the meat shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added unto their fellowship those who were being saved. And so people were meeting in people's houses. People that already loved Jesus would meet in each other's houses and encourage each other and talk about it. People that had friends that did not love Jesus, but they weren't really interested in going to the temple, they would invite them to their house because it was easier to get a friend to come to the house than it was to get them to come to the temple, and they would talk about it there. One time, Matthew had a whole bunch of friends who was tax collectors because he used to be a tax collector. He invited them all over the house, and he also invited Jesus at the same time. And so they kind of sat down and talked about the kingdom of God and talked about eternity. And so a lot of things happened in homes. Today, uh, on your seat, there is a card that says life groups uh, because uh, this is how we're going to do this. We are going to build relationships um, by coming together and we have already met with uh, some life group leaders that are hoping that you're going to fill out those cards and come to their house. And the number one requirement is that they make sure you guys have fun. And I told them during the training, we're going to get them to come once. But if it's not fun, they're not coming back. So it better be fun. Period. It better be fun. Fun. And it's all, there's only six meetings. So if you sign up to go to a life group, there's only six. Once every other week for 12 weeks. And they meet all around the city at different nights. Some of them are breakfast. Some of them are lunches. Uh, some of them are, are, are dinners. But uh, it's just six. And so I, I'm just going to challenge you guys to give it one shot. Uh, because I believe it's that important for us to do what they did in the Bible. I, I just think it's just in incredibly important. Um, now, there's two gorillas in the room, okay? I used to say two elephants in the room, and then I thought, you know what? There's sometimes they're a little bit more annoying. Um, so there's two gorillas in the room. You know, the topic that nobody wants to mention. 
um, on why we don't really want to go to somebody's house for a life group. We know it's in the Bible, um, but here's reason number one. If you're anything like me, I am allergic to weird people. (laughs) If you're weird, you make me incredibly uncomfortable. Does anyone get uncomfortable around weird people? Are you with me? It's like, man, you are weird. Oh my goodness, you're weird. I got to get out of here. And I'm mad at Pastor Frankie. I want answers. I'm at somebody, I'm at a weirdo's house. I'm I'm telling you, there's a weirdo. Well, here's the thing. We have vetted all of our life group leaders. We've vetted them. We've we've, uh, interviewed them. We've looked at them. We've even Facebook stalked a few of them. (laughs) No weird people. No weird people. No weird people. These people are people that I would want to hang out with. I would want to go to their house. And and if we're going to tell our church, hey, it's so important that we meet together and live life together. We want you to go to their house. We're not going to send you to weird people's house. Everybody drink the Kool-Aid and put on Nikes. We're going to wait for a spaceship to come get us. (laughs) No. No weirdos. And, And so... Uh, Could you imagine if we were to sit down with Abraham and Moses and all these guys from the Bible uh, with their track record of how they lived before they got their life right with God and interviewed them to see if they were worthy to be a life group leader? Wouldn't that be funny? Watch this. Check this out. We we tried to pull it off. All right. Next up, um, King David. Thanks for coming, King David qualifies you to be our next small group leader? What was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, King? Yeah, King, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, Plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, Parting large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. Mountain climbing, um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women. Whose isn't? (laughs) So I lied. I said my wife was my sister. They were going to kill me. (laughs) Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get thee behind me, Satan, I believe is the exact quote. Bathsheba, I knew you were going to go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, First I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. (laughs) I've never killed anyone. Why? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need something taken care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. 
Nah, I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. No, I've never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I... I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then. Thank you. Let me, let me think about this. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 got her. Oh, wait a second. Look who has them. Still got the tablets. So, so we have, we have vetted uh, all of our life group leaders to make sure we have no quacks in the batch. So I promise you, if you just go one time, uh, you will want to come back. And, uh, but let me talk about the other uh, gorilla in the room is time. I don't have time to spend uh, with people, uh, especially people from the church. I don't have time. Can I just tell you this? Jesus has been hearing that excuse since he walked on the earth. In fact, he told his disciples a story one time. He goes, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. Now, uh, we all live in this world, but everybody is eventually going either to heaven or hell. So let me talk about eternity. This is how it it operates. Uh, Imagine this. This is Jesus talking. He says, there's a, a wealthy man. There's a king who had this feast. I mean, he had uh, uh, fettuccine Alfredo, he had pasta, he had begzidi, uh, he had a pizza, he, he had it all. He, had, he didn't have any Creole, though, by the way. Um, he, they left the bugs in the ditch. They just... So this guy had this big feast and, and, and he tells all of his servants, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to invite everyone in the whole town because I want them all to come to this feast. I'm so excited about it. You got to bring everybody you know. And the servants came back and they said, we invited everybody we know, but nobody wants to come. They all have an excuse. And so Jesus said back, he goes, what were they, what were the excuses they have? I mean, my goodness, I've got this feast. And one of them said, well, there's this one guy who just bought some property and he wants to walk around and survey it. So he's not going to be able to come to the feast. And Jesus backed up and said, okay. And, and while I was reading this, I thought, you know, that, that was a personal possession of his. And, and oftentimes we get very self-consumed. If it's, if it's not for us or about us, we're not interested. And so Jesus said, was there a, a, another excuse other than that one? And the guy said, yeah. Um, this one guy, he, he bought five heads of oxen. And, um, and, and he wants to uh, go try them out. And see, oxen in those days was how they made an income. That's how they made a living. And so basically what he's saying is uh, this particular guy, he can't come because he works a lot. He goes, okay. 
Um, was there any other excuses on, on why people couldn't come? And this guy said, well, yeah, I talked to one guy and I almost was about to bring him. And he said he couldn't come because he just got married. Now, this is in the Bible, just got married. Now, I've read this passage a million times, but last night I read it a little bit slower. He just got married, 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 married. Why in the world, follow me here, it's wonderful to ask yourself why questions when you're reading the Bible. Why would this guy not want to come to a feast just because he just got married? And then I heard myself, just got, and I'm like, ah, he just got married. He just got married. He hadn't been married for 47 years. He just got married. What do married people think about all day, every day when you just... Go ahead and go there. It's okay. I know you're in church. Go there. You just got married. You just got married. It's 12 o'clock. Is it off? Is it time for me to get off work yet? Is it time to get off work yet? It's one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. Is it time to get off work yet? Finally, guilt-free companionship. (laughs) Some of you are like, can I clap about this? I don't know. (laughs) The guilt-free companionship. I can do whatever I want to do. And it dawns on me that there's certain times where our flesh, things that we know, uh, it just has a hold of us and it becomes a priority over everything. Over everything. It becomes a priority over everything. So these guys had excuses on why they couldn't come spend time with the king. And the parallel was Jesus. There was a list of excuses. And so I want to say this, that I personally feel that if I'm going to be successful as a pastor on compelling you to first and foremost talk about Christ when you're not here... But secondly, if I can compel you to join a life group, because in that arena, it's the biblical model of how people are encouraged and how people can bring friends who don't know Jesus to a safe place that's not so intimidating. And talk. If I can compel you to join one of those life groups, many of us will need to have what I like to call A Popeye moment. A Popeye moment. I'm noticing you guys aren't writing that down on your notes. <laughs> we need to have a Popeye moment if, if we're ever going to make this radical shift of, of being consumed with work or consumed with relationships or consumed with ourselves to make this radical shift of literally headhunting and looking for opportunities to spend time with other people who love God, it's going to take a Popeye moment. Now, let me explain. Some of you are like, yeah, do that. When I was growing up, 
there was a popular TV show called Popeye the Popeye the Sailor Man. And he uh, was awesome. I loved Popeye. He had a girlfriend named Now, Olive Oil was a showstopper. (laughs) She could stop traffic when she walked by. Guys whistled and dogs barked. She was a showstopper. And Popeye, for the most part, was calm, cool, and collected. I mean, who couldn't have a pipe and not look cool when it looks like that right there. I almost want to go to the mall with this pipe after service. Almost. It doesn't work. You can't smoke it, but there's something about it. So Popeye would walk around with this pipe, and he was calm, cool, collected. You could not ruffle this guy's feathers for anything. He was just cool with patience. He had a fuse from here to Galveston. You could not rattle this guy. But there was this one thing that could rattle him, was if you messed with olive oil. Because any guy who had a girl like that, <laughs> look at those feet. <laughs> look at those dogs right there. Rawr, 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 rawr. Look at those feet. If you had a girl like that, wouldn't you become incredibly defensive? And so Popeye, my favorite part about this cartoon was there was another guy named, oh yeah. Now, this guy would constantly antagonize Popeye by messing with olive oil. Now, my favorite part about this cartoon is that he would be so calm and the cartoon would depict his blood pressure. So you could see by the color of his face, him slowly but surely getting more mad. Peach. Pink, red, and all of a sudden, whoop, and then here we go. If you're going to fight that guy, you better have a can of spinach. Oh, this is such a great show. Such a great show. So he would pop this spinach. He would catch the spinach. He would have this, this Popeye moment, and he would always say real loud as the spinach was in the and coming down, he would say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. That's all I can stand. Absolutely. I can't stand it no more. And he would shift from this calm, cool, collected sailor man to this big biceped man who would just knock out anyone that would come into his way because he has this moment where he says, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand it anymore. And he would shift. And I want to say that I think oftentimes we need this Popeye moment where we're just kind of dealing with this God, very cool, 
and convenient way. And we need to have this Popeye moment where there's certain things that happen in our life where we go, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand it anymore. And we get more serious than we have ever been before. And here's, here, for some of us, including me, these are the three things that has caused me and possibly some of you to have a Popeye moment where we begin to shift from being so casual to being laser focused to talk about Christ. Number one is when you or I have seen all that the world has to offer. It happened to me when I was 19 years old. I will never forget. It was a Friday night and I was out acting like a hoodlum. I came home at three o'clock in the morning. I even remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a pair of jeans. I had these combat boots. They were cool then. Combat boots, a white t-shirt, like 500 necklaces, a million rings, and two loop earrings, and my hair was down to here. Now you think I'm lying, but it really, it really, it really did. <laughs> I used to have hair, hair down to here. I got home at three o'clock in the morning. It would take me an hour to unlace all my shoes, all my, uh, um, uh, unlace my boots. I took it off and I went just like this, three o'clock in the morning. <sighs> well, hell, that's the best you got. And I'm never going to do that again. Here's another example. When you hit rock bottom, I mean rock bottom. I mean, you, you can't even imagine life getting worse than this. That's when you say, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand it anymore. And you, you get, I can't stand it anymore. And you back up and say, God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to talk about you. I love you. And somebody, please have the audacity, have the nerve to get in my space because I'm going to, hey, what church do you go to? <laughs> oh, we're we going to go there. Because this is what I was born to do. You have a, when you have a Popeye moment, you don't care about anything else except doing what you were born to do and make God smile. Here's number three. Not only do you have this moment of, of, hey, Satan, you don't have anything to offer me. This world has nothing to offer me. Or you hit rock bottom and you feel like you lost it all. And here's another possibility that makes people have a Popeye moment where you just have this shift. There it is. When you realize that Abraham and Moses and David and all these people in the Bible, they're dead. And God needs new Davids. And he needs new Abrahams. And there's something on the inside of you where you say, pick me. Pick me. You know, my grandmother, I feel like I need to say this to somebody in this room because I feel like somebody in this room just feels like you don't have a lot of time left because you're in the twilight of your life. You've lived a full life. I don't know who this is for. This is just possibly for one person, but I just got to tell you, you're in the twilight of your life. 
You wish you would have had the Popeye moment when you were younger, but you didn't. And so you're tempted to just kind of sit and coast until you go to heaven. But I want to tell you something. That story that I just told you about coming in at three o'clock in the morning, do you know where I was living? Because my family was so in shambles. I was living at my grandmother's house, not my blood grandmother. I haven't seen my blood grandmother in 30 years. My new grandmother, my my stepmom, who I wasn't getting along with, her mom. Our family was just scattered. And this lady would not, would not leave God alone about me. She would bring me up to God in her prayer time. She would be making macaroni and cheese, praying about me. She would be doing the dishwasher, praying about me. I came in one day and I said, Granny, I don't even think there is a God. She goes, what's wrong with you, boy? (laughs) That that was her counseling to me. What's wrong with you, boy? Don't talk like that, boy. Praying about me, praying about me, praying about me. I'm telling you, some of the most mighty people in heaven, when we get there, when we look around, is going to be our grandmothers and our grandfathers that never stop praying. And some of them are blood grandmothers and some of them aren't. We got to have this, this Popeye moment. Now, now, in all fairness, in all fairness, uh, th- there's some in this room that you haven't had that moment, that Popeye moment, and life is kind of going good. You're casual about God. You're casual about church, and, and talking about Jesus is just the furthest thing from your mind, and, and you haven't had that Popeye moment where you just say, you know what, I've, I, 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 I can't take it anymore. I've stand all I can stand, and I can't stand it anymore, and if there's one thing I'm going to do with my life, I'm going to be who you can count on. Some of you haven't had that moment, and that's okay. But I just want you to know, here's warning. God has a little red dot on your chest. You know in the movies when a guy has a laser... There's a laser right on your chest. Don't forget what I'm telling you because all of a sudden it's going to happen. Some moment is going to happen and you're going to say, I can't stand it anymore. I've had all I can stand. I want to do what I was born to do with every day of my life. I want to do what I was born to do and I want to please you while I'm doing it. It will happen. Some of you want my pipe, but I'm not going to give it to you. (laughs) There's three reasons why I feel like all of us should be a part of a life group. Number one, people need you. People need you. If you came to church for just this point right here, I feel like there's more weight in this point right here than in the entire message that I've shared this morning. A moment ago, I shared a word that I felt like was one for one particular person. But what I'm about to share right now is for a core of you. It's a group of you. Because here's the deal. When I say people need you, listen to this. You have been through things in your life 
that you will not even tell your closest friend because they're too painful. It hurt too much. There are things that have happened in your life that you are never, ever going to tell me as the senior pastor. Ever. It doesn't matter if we meet at Luby's after church 17 times in a row. We're, you'll still never, ever, 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 ever tell me about a few seasons in your life. Because those few seasons of your life was when all of hell seemed to just focus on you. To kill, steal, and destroy every good thing that you have ever had. And watch this. You had to claw yourself out of that season. You had to claw. Claw. I mean, days where you didn't even make an inch. You were doing good to hang on. You couldn't move forward. You're just doing good to breathe. You're doing good. I'm about to talk to somebody right now. You're doing good to get out of bed. Much less be Hercules for somebody. You're doing good to get out of bed and just looking at the stack of dishes were enough to break you. In my family, the dishes became so overwhelming This could be funny, so let me just preface it by saying, please don't laugh. It became so overwhelming. We threw them all away and just got paper cups and paper plates. Because when you go through certain seasons, just the dishes can break you. In some of these seasons... We want to hold them close and not tell anybody. We don't want anybody to know. We don't want anybody to know. Don't want anybody to know. Because it was too bad. Can I just tell you, the number one reason why I want you to go to a life group and sit in a living room is because there's somebody that went through, they're going through right now what you barely made it out of. You barely made it out. If it weren't for God grabbing your hand and pulling you through, you wouldn't have made it. Am I talking to anybody here? You people need you. Jesus, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. He's crying. He's telling God, I do not want to be crucified. Please don't let me be crucified. Let this cup pass from me. And then he says, but if it's not, if I got to do it, if I got to do it, watch this, it's so important. Then let your will be done. In other words, if I got to go through all of this, Please tell me something good is coming out of it. Are you with me? If it, is it, doesn't that thought echo in your mind? If I had to go through all of that, if I got to go through all of what I'm going through right now, see, I've been talking in past tense, but for some of us, it's, it's present tense. If I got to go through all of this, then it better amount to something good, please. I want to say this. 
we should make hell pay for the day it knocked on our door. We ought to make hell pay for the day. Pay for the day. Pay for the day. Pay for the day it separated our family. That was the worst mistake you ever made. Got a mom, I got a mom over here, I got a dad over there, I got sisters over here, I got sisters over there. I'm the family, and you, some of you might be the family too, that when Thanksgiving comes rolling around, it's like, okay, we have breakfast over here, we have lunch over here, we have dinner over here, we have dessert over here. That's my family, and we ought to make hell pay for that. And how do you make hell pay for that? You do what you're born to do. You, you have a Popeye moment where you go, hey, you just ticked me off. I, I can't stand anymore. This I'm doing well, for my life. I'm going to talk about God. That's why I love bringing people to church. I think I've almost brought 10 people to church in the last two months. I, I just, I love it. You know why? Because hell picked the wrong family. The wrong family. Popeye. Number two, not only do people need you, but you need people. Now, for all of us, now this is my category. This is me right here. Okay? This is me. Where I think to myself, I don't need nobody. I'm good. I'm good. And in a lot of ways, it's true. I can go to the movies by myself. I can go to restaurants by myself. I actually enjoy it. Is there anybody that likes that? You like that? I got a friend of mine. If he has to either A, starve to death or go to a restaurant by himself, he's going to starve to death. (laughs) You know, one of the sweetest things I ever see is when I walk into a movie theater and it's empty. I'm telling you, if I'm not with my wife, which is obviously my first preference, can somebody tell her I said that? (laughs) She's pushing our baby somewhere around here. Being by myself, I enjoy it. And so I can tell myself, I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. And then it was the day where I realized that I didn't know how to laugh. Now that was a rough day for me. I did not know how to laugh. See, some of you have the gift of laughing. You're always laughing. <laughs> this is how I used to laugh. That's funny. That's how I laugh, by saying, that's funny. Until there was a day where somebody said, well, if it's funny, why aren't you laughing? (laughs) Do you know anybody like that? They just go, that's funny. Well, why aren't you laughing? And then it dawned on me. I don't know how to laugh like you know how to laugh. And I would find myself being jealous of people that had the gift of laughing. Can I just tell you, I get around people that know how to laugh and have a good time, and I start learning how to laugh. One guy gave me a tape on laughing. (laughs) He said, listen to this. This will help you learn to laugh. It was a self-help tape. I said, I'll take it. Thank you very much. 
I put it in. It was the guy with a hundred teeth in his mouth. What's his name? You know who he is, Dr. Ray. Tony Robbins. That's him. He said, for those of you that don't know how to laugh, go look in the mirror and laugh at yourself. And it's not going to be funny at first. But keep doing it till it's funny. Try that. We need people. We need people. We need people. Hey, Frankie, you don't know how to laugh. Hey, and I'm going to tell you something else. When I hear other people's stories, it encourages me. My third and last final point. Jesus needs you. Let me read a powerful scripture to you. This is powerful. Because Jesus actually had a prayer request. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know what that means? Jesus is saying, I need help. There's people out there that don't have a church. They have no one to talk to. They have no infrastructure. They have no pastor to encourage them, to make them laugh, to point their attention back to God. I need help. Will somebody please help me? Will somebody please have their head on a swivel all week long? Looking for people to invite to church and to talk to them about God. And let me just take the scary out of it. When I, I've invited almost 10 people to church in the past couple months, which I'm very proud of myself. And, and, but let me say this. You know how many scriptures I've brought up to these people? Ding dong. <laughs> Do you know why? Because my story connects with them most. And your story connects with them. Why do you like celebration? Boom, that's your story. Why do you love Jesus? Boom, that's your story. And he said, I need you to pray with me. Now, a final illustration. Um, Brother Dwayne and, and uh, Sylvester, would you guys come up here real quick? While I'm talking, there is a tug of war going on on the inside of all of you. There's a tug of war happening. On this side, you know what I'm telling you is true. You know that life groups are in the Bible, and we need you in one. But there's another one. This guy right here. Okay, that's enough. 
what can happen at a life group? You know, give them a big round of applause, will you? Man, that was way better this service. The first service, was that was way cooler. You got a tug of war. You got a tug of war inside of you. You got a tug of war. And I'm just praying, I'm just praying, I'm just praying that you have lived enough life to where you can say, I can't stand it anymore, and I can't stand it anymore, and you're serious. Why don't you grab a a life group card, begin to fill it out. Our ushers are going to come down and pick them all up. Just so you know, as you're filling them out, there's only six. There's only six meetings, and they're every other week for 12 weeks. And then it's holiday season. We take a break. And after that, you can go to another group. You can stay in that group. It doesn't matter. Um, But the number one requirement for every group is they have to be fun. They have to be fun. And so I'm going to ask you, go to a group. And if it's not fun, don't come back. Don't come back. But I know all these life group leaders. We've all met together. We've talked about it. I can guarantee you. You're going to have fun. So why don't you fill that card out. And um, uh, I'd like for our ushers, why don't you guys come down and uh, just take your time moving real slowly back up. Let me push this once again. Um, After service today, if you have the time for it, if you don't have the time, we're doing it again next week. But we're serving lunch to everybody that wants to come. And so... Uh, If you just go out those doors and take a right in the youth room, we've got a growth track. And uh, we're going to talk about where the church is going. We're going to talk about why we do life groups. You're going to have an opportunity to take a spiritual test to figure out where you score high. That happens on 301. That's today. And so you don't have to go in order. You can go 301, then 101. It doesn't matter. But... um, Unless you're still writing, why don't everybody here go ahead and stand to your feet for me, please? And uh, I'd like all of our prayer partners, if you would, would you please come down to the front? All of our prayer partners. And if you're a prayer partner who's filling out a card, just to go ahead and fill out that card. But all of our prayer partners, please come down to the closest, as close as you can. Don't you guys all scoot this way, please? There you go. There you go. Latina, I just recruited you to be a prayer partner. Come on down here, girl. Sylvester, I just recruited you. Come on over here. Josiah and Jamie, I just recruited you. Come on down here. These two know how to pray a house down. too, Miss Key, Mrs. Key. I'm just going to recruit us some prayer partners. If I just recruited you, I need you to fill out a card and and check prayer partners so that people know you're on the team. By the way, you're on the team now. (laughs) This is how we recruit. Here's the reality. Every single one of us, look at me, every one of us has a battle that we're fighting right now. Right now. Now, there's like 2% of you, you have what I call an off-season. Life is good. 
Enjoy it. Rest. Rest. You're probably recovering. But the Bible says this, as long as we're on this earth, we're going to have trouble. That's how I know. But you know what else the Bible says? Every time, listen to me, every time you call for help, Psalms 56, the tide of the battle turns. And so I want to encourage you. There's prayer partners down here that want to pray with you. 30 seconds can turn the tide of your battle. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes and you don't know where you'd spend eternity, you need to pretend like there's nobody in this room and squeeze out and come talk to somebody down here. They'll pray with you in 30 seconds. You'll be back in your seat, but you also have a reserved place in heaven.